Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We're going to get right into our new series today. We're starting something brand new called Developing Your Destiny. We believe that every God has given every single person potential and purpose and he's given us a process by which to develop that and grow that in our life. God has a destination for you. He has a meaning and a significance for your life. And that's what this series is going to be about today. And today we're going to talk around the particular subject of discovering your destiny. So I want to take the text in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. We're reading from the NIV, and it says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I ask you to truly teach us today. Give us a revelation of how our life is supposed to have meaning. Give us a revelation of the purpose and potential that you've placed on the inside of us. Help us to become everything you desire for us to be. And I pray, Heavenly Father, if there's anyone who's on our online campus today or watching this at whatever time they are, that if they do not know you or have a relationship with you, that before this worship experience is over, they'll come to saving knowledge of Christ. That the Lord, they'll give their life to you and commit to follow you. And if there are those, Heavenly Father, who have walked away from you, that God, that they could know that you love them and you just want them to come home and they could rededicate their life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I am, I am extremely enthused about this series simply because it's something that I love to talk about. And honestly, it's something that's so important, but we probably don't talk about it enough. And the idea that God has given us purpose. Uh, Sometimes I think that we don't realize that God has a direction for our lives. We sometimes operate and function as if life is just what it is, and we go through our motions, and we do what we do, and then we, when we get saved, then we just can depend on God to bless what we do. But it's much more, uh, much more intense than that in the sense of purpose, because God created you with gifts and talents and abilities and has created you to advance his kingdom, not to just live even intentional life, but to live intentional life on purpose for him. And that there's a big difference. And so today I want to talk about that idea overall, but then also in particular how to discover what your significant purpose is, what your destiny is. I love this passage of scripture, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is head, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul. 
this is the man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he's saying, man, I, I haven't gotten there yet fully, but I am on this process, and I'm telling you this, I'm not holding on to my past, and I am looking forward to my future, and I am pressing to find it, the purpose, the destiny, the direction that God has for my life. You know, if you know me at all, or you've, you've been around anybody who knows me, you know I'm directionally challenged. And I think sometimes that's how we approach life. I think that's how we approach our spiritual life. I have a friend the other day that told me, he said, David, here's the deal. If, if you are at an intersection and you feel like you're supposed to turn right, turn left. That'll be the right way to go. <laughs> and it's so true. I've even done that before because I get so turned around for some reason. It's just something that, that I am not good at. It's a weakness in my life. I'm just directionally challenged. And so a lot of times if I get into an addition or a development, I get turned around. I can't figure out how to get out or, or I, I go to a certain part of town and you have to turn around to go to where you're going. And then you get come out and you're like, where do I go now? <clears throat> and the reality is that many of us, we, we live our spiritual life like that. Like we don't know where we're going or what we're doing. Matter of fact, some of us aren't going or doing. We're just setting, saying, man, I, I, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. But that's about the extent of my relationship with the Lord. And some of us are even just being religious and we're not even sure if we're going to heaven, but we're just going through the motions because we think that's what you're supposed to do. Because to us, a lot of times our Christianity is equal to our morality. In other words, one equals the other, and they're the same. But the truth is, morality or the good things that come out of us only come out of us because of the righteousness of God that's in us. And it is so much more our relationship with God than just being good. It's, there's purpose involved. There's direction involved. And, and there is influence that God wants to give you because what he's doing in your life, he wants to affect others with. And so it's important that we get a sense of direction about what God's trying to do in our life. So the question today is, do you know what your destiny is? You know, when we use that word destiny, it sounds kind of, you know, mythical and, and, and metaphysical almost. But the truth is, it's not as much a mystery as we think. What's the reason for your being? And I know that many of us, and I've talked to so many people today, it seems like I've talked to so many people since we've come out of the pandemic, that people went into this, this, you know, contemplative place and they came out saying, what's my purpose in life? You know, why, why do I exist? Why am I here? Talk to so many young people that still, they're still struggling to figure out where am I going? What am I doing? And, and then I'm finding a lot of people who are in retirement age and like, what now? What next? What do I do? Life's got to be more than just hanging out and having fun. There's got to be more meaning than that. And, and, and so it's very interesting that we find ourselves in this place of needing and wanting purpose. And it's a reality that God wants us to want purpose and want destiny and want that because he wants to give it to us. He's not trying to hide from you. I love what Rick Warren said. He said, your life isn't an accident. You have a destiny and, and the destiny that you have is only you can complete it. Only you can complete it. There's nobody else that can do exactly and particularly what God wants you to do or what God made you to do. So let's take the mystery out of destiny. It simply means your God-given destination. Another way to put it is, where are you going? If you continue down your current trajectory, where will you end up? 
If you continue to go down the, 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 the life that you're living right now, if you continue to go that direction, where are you going to end up? You know, we can ask these questions from any kind of different framework. We can ask it from a physical framework or a spiritual framework or a financial framework or a relational framework, or even emotional and mental framework. What is our destination? Where are we going? If we continue down the trajectory we're on, where will we end up? And sometimes traveling to our destination can be humorous. Sometimes in life, the truth is, even as Christians, and I wish more Christians would learn this, just laugh about it. You know, we get so uptight and so locked up about what does God want me to do and what does God... And the truth is, God has given us some roadmaps, clear direction on what He wants us to do and where He wants us to go. And we need to, we need to learn to laugh and enjoy life and enjoy what God's trying to do in us. Even when we don't get it right, even when we're not really understanding, God is patient and He loves us, and sometimes it's funny. Uh, I, you know, here at Summit on our staff, we like to tell bad dad jokes. It's just a funny thing we do, and there's oftentimes there'll be a text stream that we're going back and forth telling the lamest dad jokes you can tell. So I thought, you know, in the sense of, you know, since we're talking about destination, I thought I would try to tell maybe some travel jokes. So I found this one I thought was so funny. He said, why did the librarian get kicked off the plane? Why did the librarian get kicked off the plane? Because it was overbooked. <laughs> but don't bump. Okay, so that's about how I felt like it would go over. So I, I, I've been told, as, as I've already said, I'm a bad driver. But it really didn't get real to me the other day until I had my GPS on trying to give me directions. And I was driving down the road and the GPS, I, I got the Australian guy on my GPS. So it always sounds like an Aussie, kind of rude too. And, but, but as we're going down the road, it said, it said, in 400 feet, take a right and stop and let me out. <laughs> That's a bad driver, y'all. Uh, I just want you to know that life is funny. And humans sometimes react in funny ways. And we need to learn to enjoy life if we're going to truly fulfill the purpose that God has for our lives. I, I mean, seriously... I think so much of the time, the reason we fail to fulfill our purpose is because we get stuck. And we get stuck because we become very religious about these ideas. Or we become very intense about these ideas. And we forget that it's not our purpose we're living for. It's His purpose. We're not trying to make God fit our purpose. We're trying to fit in to His purpose. You know, there, there are those who believe that we live life and however it turns out, that, that's what was supposed to happen. In my generation, when I was a kid, they would say it this way, Kesara, sara. And it, it's just a term that means whatever will be, will be. But I have, I have to tell you something, church, to tell you something, Christian, believer, God's not that unintentional. And, and we need to understand that's not faith talking. That's fate. We don't believe in fate. We don't believe in whatever happens, happens. We don't believe in whatever your life turns out to be, that was what God wanted to be. That's not the way this works at all. Because we have a God who is sovereign, but He's given us free will. And so He has a plan, but we have to get in sync with Him in order for that plan to be manifest. According to the Bible, we're not here by accident. We're not merely pawns in a cosmic chess match. Excuse me, in a cosmic chess match. What's the name of it? Chess match between God and the devil. That's not the way this works. That's not what this is. We have purpose. 
Listen, we have destiny. And, and as far as I can see, it's a plan that God has for us, and it's our mission. He gives the plan, but it's our mission to discover what that plan is, to develop that plan, and then to deploy the different concepts and constructs of that plan in our own life. I love what Stephen Covey, he, he wrote a, a concept in a book called First Things First, and it was a brilliant thought. And, and the brilliant thought is that a lot of us, we're trying to find success in our life. We're trying to find a significance in our life. And so we do everything we can to climb that ladder of success. But he talked about this idea that there's nothing more sad than when someone climbs the ladder of success and gets to the top and realizes that the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. Our destination is important. It's not just important that you climb the ladder. It's important that you have the ladder leaning against the right wall. Where are you trying to go? What are you trying to achieve? What is your destination? What does God have planned for you? And what this says is that it's not enough just to live on purpose. It's important to find the right purpose to live for. You know, the Bible points us in this direction. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 8, Jeremiah was a young man. But God, when God called him and it intimidated him and he was complaining to God, I'm too young and they're not going to listen to me. And here's what the Bible said. The word of the Lord came to him in Jeremiah chapter one, verse four through eight. It says the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So the indication here is that before he was even conceived in his mother's womb, he was a thought in God's mind. Now, you need to understand that about yourself, that before you were even placed in conception, uh, you were a thought in God's mind. In other words, I think a lot of times we feel like we're born into this world, we're born sinners, and w but we do have the, 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 the image of God on us, but then we're born sinners and we have to be redeemed and have to be saved. And I think we think that's all there is to this Christian life, and we don't understand that it's not just when salvation comes that God gives us a purpose or he thinks, well, we better get a purpose for this person. But God had a purpose for this earth when you were placed in it. And he put you here for that purpose. He was saying to Jeremiah, I I've already planned that you would be a prophet. I've already set you aside for that purpose. And there were millions of options in your mother's womb when the seed and the egg met, yet you were the one that came out. Why? Because I have purpose for you. And that's what God would say to you today because it's no different. In his creation of us, he has purpose and plans for us. That's why we're here. Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 6. In the NIV, it says, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He asked. He said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. In other words, Paul was on a certain trajectory for his life and he had a plan for where he was going, but he met God on the road and Jesus said, go here. I'm going to tell you what the plan for your life is. God has a purpose and a plan for us, even before we realize it, even before we know it, even before we're born. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, our text that we took today, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting that 
what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's saying God has a purpose, God has a plan, and I'm pressing towards it every day. That was the same Apostle Paul that met Jesus on the Damascus Road. God's very specific that he created us with intention. He has a purpose for us. He has a destination to which he wants us to arrive. A heavenly destination, yes, for sure. That's the most important part, that we have a relationship with Jesus and that we affect our eternity because of that. It's a great point. But that's not the only destination that God has for us. He also has an earthly destination based on our purpose and potential. With the purpose and potential that God has given us and put in our life, He's also given us a process to work that purpose and potential out. And the first part of that process, you got to discover what that purpose and potential is. Secondly, you have to develop it. And thirdly, you want to release it, empower it, de deploy it, get it out there. make it. It's, it's kind of like our vision here at Summit Church. We want to lead people to know God. Then once they know God, have a relationship with Him, get, him, get them around believers who can help them walk this life out. And they will find freedom over all that junk that's been in their life. And then they can move from there to discovering what it is that God has purposed them for. And then they can use that to make a difference. That's the whole vision of what we're doing. That's the destination of Summit Church. That's where we're going. That's what we're trying to do every single day. Not just on the weekends, but every single day. We're trying to lead people to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, to make a difference. In order to achieve this destiny for each and every one of us, it's going to take decisiveness and determination. The reality is we've got to get in line with God's will and discover our purpose and get on the road to our destination. And this is why Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. They came to him and they said, teach us how to pray. Now, the reason they wanted him to teach them how to pray is because they had watched his prayer life. Jesus was a consummate prayer. You would say, well, of course he was. He was the son of God. No, he was giving us a model of what prayer should look like in our life. And Jesus was constantly spending time in prayer. And then the disciples would see the results of his prayer times. And they saw this and they saw that it was different than anything they had experienced before in their religious uh, goings and doings. And so they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. They weren't just saying, teach us how to pray, because they knew how to pray. They had grown up knowing how to pray. They were saying, teach us how to pray like you pray. <laughs> There's a big difference. And so he said, here's what he said. You know what he said. He said, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us and lead us away from temptation and deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. But I want to draw your attention to one phrase in that prayer. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And some translations say it this way, and this is the way I like to pray it, as it is in heaven, so let it be done on earth. In other words, God has a specific, God has a specific plan that he has for your life and for my life. It's a kingdom plan. It's why we're not citizens of this earth, we're citizens of the heaven. You should never let the earth determine your plan because you're not a citizen of the earth, you're a citizen of heaven. So let heaven determine your plan. 
And so he said, as you have planned it, as it is perfectly planned and perfectly laid out in heaven, manifest that in my life every day. That's what Jesus told us to pray to the Father. And that's exactly what God wants to happen in our lives. The Bible says, and, and this is just a confirmation to that idea, the Bible says in Psalms chapter 139, verse 13 through 16, it elaborates on that same idea. It says, for you created my inmost beings, David talking to God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He says, my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So this is what God, what David is saying in this prayer. He's acknowledging, God, you created me. And before I even was born, you had, you had my life written in a book in heaven. I believe that when we go to heaven one day, there are going to be libraries and you can walk up to the library of heaven and you can pull out a book that has your name on it and read the plan that God had for your, your life. That's what he's saying right here. Your every day of my life was written in your book. Now, some of us might take that to mean, see that that just means your life, whatever your life is, bad, good, indifferent, then, then that's what was intended to begin with in that book. That is not the way this works. Because, because we live in a fallen world that's been affected by sin. We, we are creatures of free will. So we can decide whether we want to go with the plan or don't want to go with the plan. Now, we're not going to get into the theological conundrums of does God know what you're going to do? Of course he knows what you're going to do. But that doesn't change his plan. God has a plan and a purpose and a destination for us to arrive at. However, He's also given us free will. We can decide. Every day, we can decide. I think one of the things that caused me to be a Christian, that caused me to really decide I'm going to follow Christ, because I struggled with it for a long time. I think one of the things that really took me there was I, I begin to realize it's my choice. I begin to realize I can go the direction I'm going and that I choose to do and that my big old brain comes up with, or I can look at what God has for me, who is omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent, who knows all, is everywhere, and is all-powerful, uh, he, he can do anything. He knows everything. He's, he's powerful. He's loving. He's compassionate. He cares. His mercy are new to me every morning. I can either go with my way as limited and silly and selfish as it can be, or I can go with his way that is perfectly planned out to fulfill His will and purpose for my life, that not only will fulfill the will and purpose of God in, in kingdom purpose, but it also will be the best for me because God sees me as His child and He wants what's best for me. And the problem we have with being willing to follow the will of God is simply because sometimes we just don't believe that. Sometimes we think that what God is allowing in our life is too hard and how could that be good for me? 
and it's too challenging and how could that be good for me and I want to do this and I want to do that and I know what's best for me but just like a parent a good parent knows better than their kids do down the road further know what's best for their child that's how God is with us except at a much higher degree and so why would we choose our own way? It's the, it's the complete definition of foolishness to choose your own way. Especially in light of the fact that you have pure wisdom willing to guide your life. Here's the problem. If we choose to let the world or our selfish ambition drive our course instead of the destiny that God has for us, it's like taking a road trip to Florida, but putting the wrong destination in the GPS and ending up in California. It's a great ride, but you just get to the wrong destination. It, it, you, 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 could break, you could break records, speed, speed records, and get there faster than anybody else, but you'd just be getting to the wrong destination faster. You, 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 could, you could take the most scenic route and say it's the most beautiful route, and, 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 and you'd still just be ending up at the wrong destination. It would seem like it's the funnest way to go, but you'll still be ending up at the wrong destination. It does no good to live life at hyper speeds or choose comfort over challenge or go for the most fun you can have if at the end you don't end up where you want to be. Because the Bible says, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? You could have the whole world, but what would you give in exchange for your soul? So what is the motive behind discovering, developing, and deploying our purpose and potential? Is it, is it for us to be fulfilled and to be satisfied? Well, of course, we want to be fulfilled and satisfied in life. Believers should be filled and satisfied in life because we follow a risen Savior who is the fulfillment and satisfaction of life in and of himself without us achieving or doing anything. It's all about him. It should always point to him, and he should always be that sufficiency in our life. We got Jesus. We don't need anything else because everything we need comes with him. So, yes, we want to be fulfilled, but is that the reason that we want to follow the will and purpose and destiny that God has for us? No. No, it's not. It's not the reason. It is the most fulfilling and satisfying way to live, but it's not the reason. The reason is Jesus created us. He teaches us. He loves us. He died for us. He rose again for us so that we can live the life He purposed for us. And so His purpose could come to full fruition in our life. And that's the only reason. Period. Put a period behind that sentence. That's the only reason. We want to please Him. The Bible even says that's the reason we exist in Revelation, that for His pleasure we were created. We're here to please God. We will definitely benefit from the process. We will definitely benefit from the achievement of the goal of reaching the destination. But the reason that we do this, the motive in our heart, should only be and can only be, I want to please God. I want to fulfill the will of God. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17 in the NIV says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go do this or that, uh, 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 we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. And why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? 
You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Do You know, the truth is that we've come to a place in our life, honestly, in our culture, where we have forgotten about how to follow the will of God. And we found ourselves not even asking God about things, major decisions we're making. I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that and not even considering, is this what God wants for me? I'm going to move here and I'm going to move there and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Out even considering God's perspective. Is this part of your purpose for me, God? Is this what you want to do? The Bible says, the Apostle James said, that's the height of arrogance when we don't consider the will of God in the doings and goings of our life. And the reason is, is because we can easily, through our own selfish ambition, get ourselves off the track of the purpose that God has for us. So here are three steps to discovering your destiny. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I just want to give you these steps very quickly. And I want you to take notes on these and I want you to understand them. And you can find all these notes on the YouVersion app as well. But the first step is you have to determine you have a destiny. Now, that seems like a simple thing, and it also seems like I shouldn't have to say that. But the truth is, a lot of us live our lives without any consideration that there's a purpose to all this. We live our lives without any consideration that there's meaning to this, that God actually has a plan. And we just go through our lives reactionary and without any real acknowledgement that there's a bigger issue here. Jesus revealed to Paul that the destination he had planned for himself was not the right destination and revealed to him on the road intended for him to travel and his life is still making a difference today. Think about that. The Apostle Paul was on the wrong road. Jesus encounters him, puts him on the right road, and we're still being positively affected by the fact that he lived his purpose. Now you might say, well, that's the Apostle Paul. What is different about the Apostle Paul and you, my friend? What's different? Nothing. He's a normal human being just like you or I. So it begs the question, what are the people or who are the people that your life in following the purpose of God is supposed to influence? And if you follow your own purpose as opposed to his, how will that affect them? It's kind of like that old movie that we watch, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, when he was taken out of life and he could, saw, he could see what life would have been in that community without him there. That's the purpose of God on your life. When you follow your will instead of God's will, when you go toward your destination instead of God's destination, what happens is it creates a gap on the influence that should be happening on the people around you. Paul was a religious zealot. But God intended for him to be a great apostle, and he ended up being a great apostle. Peter was a fisherman, but God had a plan for him to be the lead apostle of the New Testament church, and he was. Mark was a shy, weak boy that was afraid and had to go away home from ministry because he missed his mama. But ultimately, God put purpose in him, and he became a great minister that was very profitable to the New Testament church. The idea is we have to change our thoughts about who we're created to be. We have to acknowledge and determine, I do have a destiny. I do have a purpose. I am important to the plan of God on this planet. 
Think about that for a minute. Your life has that kind of importance. You have to, number one, determine that you have a destination. You have a purpose. You have a plan that God has for you. I like the quote by Stephen Covey. He says, the quality of our thoughts determine our actions, and our actions develop our habits, and our habits create our character, and our character forges our destiny. What he's saying is this, when we finally realize and put our thoughts on the idea that God has a purpose for me, God has a destiny for me, a de destination he intends for my life to, to achieve, and we begin to think that way, then those thoughts begin to determine the way we act, and those actions develop into habits, and those habits create character in us, and that character forges the way for our destiny. The second thing the second step is this. Develop a spiritual curiosity. If you're going to discover the destination that God has for your life, if you're going to discover the purpose day to day that he has for your life, then the way you're going to do that is become spiritually curious. I feel like there's just far too little spiritual curiosity among believers today. You know, they're used to, I can remember times where people would just seek the face of God. I remember my own life, and I still do this today, but I remember my own life as a young person, how I really had no clue where my life was going. And I was just seek the face of God. I was so curious about, God, why did you create me? God, what do you want for me? God, what's the next step for me? We need to get curious. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Listen, those words, hunger and thirst, what do you like when you get hungry? You ever been hangry? I mean, what do you, what do you like when you really need food? There's a passion implied there. There's a desire, a deep desire. There's nothing we need more than food and water to sustain us as human beings. Maybe oxygen, but even if we had oxygen and we didn't have food and water, we would still die. So what he's saying is, you're blessed when you hunger and thirst. In other words, you treat the, 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 the righteousness, the purpose, the plan of God as if it were food and you're going to die without it. That's how curious we need to be. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says it this way. Ask and keep asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Many times we quote that and we just say, ask and you shall find, seek and you shall... Uh, seek as you will find, asking you'll be given and, and knocking, the door will be open. But there's an aortist tensed verb there, which means a continuing uh, thing, which means God's not saying to us just ask. He's saying ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. In other words, the idea is this. Seek until you find. Get curious with God and begin to ask him and begin to study his word and begin to seek out what he might be saying to you or what might be doing for you to give you an indication of your purpose and your destination. And the last thing is, step number three, investigate the indicators. A pastor I know that, uh, wrote a book a long time ago called Fulfilling Your God-Given Destiny, and it was so helpful to me at the time that I read it. And I've used it a lot uh, for different people in different times. But in that book, he gives... 10 indicators of what the, the purpose of God might be for you. How you might discover what God's destination is for your life. And it's so really clear and it's all biblical. So I'm going I'm to give you those right now as we finish today. Number one, what's the deepest desire of your heart? The Bible says in Psalms 37 verse 4, 
delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart it doesn't just say he'll give you the desires of your heart it says delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you desires of your heart here's what that means that means as you're in relationship with God and you delight in him he his ways are higher his thoughts are higher his ways and thoughts get infused into you through that relationship and then all of a sudden those desires that purpose that destination begins to manifest in your life and he will give that to you so what is as a believer if you're really following jesus what are the deepest desires of your heart because when you really know what those deep desires are that could be an indicator of what god is placing in you for your purpose the second thing is what stirs your passion far too little passion in christianity today I will never apologize for my passion and my excitement and my enthusiasm. I will never because I, can't, I cannot be more excited than this. I mean, for the kingdom of God, for Jesus, passion is zeal, it's fire, it's excitement, it's intensity that you feel about things that are important to you. Passion is powerful. In John chapter 2, verse 15, Jesus cleansed the temple. You remember he knocked over the tables and he said, you're not going to do this in my father's house because they were manipulating the system and making money off God and prospering off of people who were just trying to make sacrifice to God. Instead, they turned it into some kind of crazy mess. And Jesus went in there and he began to throw tables over and says, no, this, my father's house will be called a house of prayer. Remember that? The Bible says that the zeal for the house of God, synonym to passion for the house of God, ate him up. He was so ate up that he had to get it. He had to do it. And so I'm saying, what is your passion? What stirs your passion so much as you seek the face of God, as you follow Jesus? Number three, what flows naturally out of you? I think a lot of times we think, because we've always heard God will send you to Africa or God just didn't want to. A lot of times we think it's going to be the worst thing in the world if I submit to the will of God because it's going to be something I don't like. But the majority of the time, God's purpose, I'm not saying you're not going to go through uncomfortable situations, but God's purpose will flow naturally out of you because He put it in you to begin with. And your destiny will feel right. It'll feel natural to you as you discover it. Number four, where do you bring forth the most fruit? The Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. You'll know them by their fruit. Where do you bring forth the most fruit? What is very fruitful in your life? That could be an indicator of your purpose. Number five, what is the witness of your Holy? Well, we cannot depend too much on the Holy Spirit. What is the witness of the Holy Spirit in your spirit? God has a way of letting us know what's right and what's wrong, what His will is. So what is, what is that in you by the Holy Spirit that gives you an indicator, this is what God wants for me? Number six, what do mature Christians see in me? You know, there are, there are Christians in your life that are mature and they're developed and you need to sit down with them and let them speak in your life. Don't isolate yourself. Don't let pride pull you to the side and make you uh, isolated from everybody. Get in the midst. Get in a small group. Get connected with more mature Christians and let them speak into your life and let them tell you what they see that God's placed in you. Number seven, what do you feel the peace of God about pursuing? Listen, when, when, you, when it's the purpose of God, what will accompany it is the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4. If it's the purpose of God for you, the peace of God will be with it. If you have this internal struggle, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? It's probably not because that's not the peace of God. Number eight, what thoughts, visions, 
or dreams are impossible to put out of your mind. You have certain things that keep coming up in your mind and you just put them on the shelf, but you can't get rid of them. They just keep coming back, keep coming back. It's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, did you forget? I gave you this gift. I gave you this strength. I gave you this ability. Are you going to use it? Are you going to do with it? Because listen, when you stand before God, He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Remember the parable of the talents? He gave the five and the two and the one and he came back and the five said I doubled and the two said I doubled and the one said I hid it and he said to the one that hid it he said get away from me depart from me you 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 wicked servant lazy servant but to the others he gave he gave to the one who got ten he gave him the one and he said because I know you'll be faithful and fruitful with this what thoughts visions and dreams are impossible to put on your mind number nine So what can you give 100% of yourself for your whole life? Whatever God planned for you will use all your gifts. It'll use all your talents. It'll use all your strengths and all your emotions. And what could you do for the rest of your life like that? Number 10 and the last, what do people want to gather around and help you do? Like when you do something, what attracts others to you? See, if you look at these 10 things, what you're seeing is you're seeing the hand of God just woven through your life. The reason why He gave you certain gifts and certain personalities and certain thoughts and certain ideas. And the reason He's trying to do that in your life is because there's a purpose behind it. There's a significance behind it that should affect not only you, but should affect those around you and influence everyone for the kingdom and the purpose of God just by you fulfilling God's purpose. You know, The first step on the process of developing your destiny is to discover it. First, realize you have a destiny in Christ for now and in eternity. And then you need to develop a spiritual curiosity, a deep desire to know God and His will and what that means for you in everyday sense. Last, investigate the indicators. There are signposts all throughout this journey that point to your purpose and keep pointing you to a purpose. Stop ignoring them. And then truly investigate them and embrace them and let the process begin. We can help you start this process. It's a part of our discipleship process here at Summit Church. It's called Summit Church Growth Track. And what we do is everything I just talked about. We literally help you discover those talents, those gifts, those abilities, those passions in you. And what that, how that relates to your relationship with God and how that relates to the purpose of the church. We want to help you with this. And I would encourage you, don't don't leave this service on this online campus without commenting, I want to know how to do Summit next and get that thing done. Because I'm telling you, it's not just a class. It's not just a membership thing. It's literally a development and a discipleship of who you are and who you should be in God. starting point to all this to be able to even begin this journey is to know God so if you're far away from God today listen to me we would love to introduce you to him maybe you've never known him maybe you've walked away from him maybe you're just curious but we would love to introduce you to the greatest relationship you will ever have and it will bring real purpose and fulfillment to your life Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. And I ask you that, Lord, if anybody is on this online campus today that does not know you, 
or, or needs to rededicate their life, that today they will do that. And I pray that every one of them will go through the Summit Next Growth Track and really begin to learn and develop the purpose you have for them. Because God, we want every believer to live out their purpose for you because that's how the world will be saved. We just give you glory and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church Podcast.